So you're sitting in your office and you see a giggling gaggle of co-workers creep by your door, wallets in hand, a surreptitious glance in your direction. You know they're off on a coffee run and you've not been invited. And it hits you with the irritation of an emergency work call at 5 p.m. on a Friday. It's high school all over again. Welcome to The Water Cooler Effect, a podcast where we explore issues and ideas that affect professionals in the workplace. This episode will focus on authenticity and belonging at work. I'm Claire Carverdias, your host, and my co-conversationalist today is Allison Buchan, a mental health and addictions counselor. For over 15 years, she's worked at Credit Valley Hospital and also runs a private practice in Oakville. You can find her at oakscounseling.com. I've heard Allison speak on the topic of belonging and fitting in and find her perspective enlightening. Welcome, Allison. Really happy to be chatting with you today. So let's start with this question that's been circling in my mind. Um, We think that the era of the segregated cool crowd, jocks, and nerds ends after high school, but does it really? Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, I live near a high school and I often look across and think, man, being there is like this big popularity contest of who's who, like who's in the right crowd, who, where's your ranking? It's like this feeding frenzy. And yet, what I find fascinating is I think that being cool doesn't go out of style. Like I think that fitting in doesn't really go away as an adult. I think that, you know, even as an adult, I, I turned 40 this year and I recently went back to a party that I uh, met a whole bunch of my high school friends at and I was struck by the fact that here I was, kind of at a party that was reminiscent of, you know, this being cool and be, who's an insider, who's an outsider, like what, what Christmas cards did you get this year, who did you get them from, all of those things continue as, a, as an adult. And in the workplace too? Yeah, oh man, in the workplace there's like the inner echelon, right, of who mm-hmm. gets the inside, um, who, who has the ear of your manager, of your boss, who can sway, even in, in meetings, right? I'm sure you've been in a meeting where one person's voice seems to have so much more weight than someone else's voice yeah. in the meeting. Yeah, it's interesting because I do hear this, I hear this from a lot of clients and they usually phrase it, they usually talk about it if they don't fit in. So it seems to right. be more pronounced if they feel like they're not a part of that group. Yes. I don't often hear from the people who are mm-hmm. um, supposedly part of that group, you know, what it feels like. I don't think they realize they're mm-hmm. in the group, but um, they, it's often blamed on things like old boys club. I'm not a part of that. Mm. Or, um, or they're new and they feel like the new kid on the block. Mm, yes, yeah. yes. You hear that? Yes. So I've heard you talk about fitting in and belonging and the difference, the distinction between the two. Can you kind of yeah. explain that? So, cause I think there is, I also am the mother of a 12 year old. So she is hmm. in the midst of, I don't know, that middle school. Uh, she used to call it the kids who are famous. She's now starting to use the word popular. Um, but this idea of how does she fit in and what does it mean to belong? So I actually started doing some research for a talk I did recently and I came across a Brene Brown who's just uh, authored a new book, Rising Strong. 
Um, but on her earliest book called I Thought It Was Just Me But It Isn't, she carried out a whole lot of academic interviews because um, she's a grounded researcher and that's how she creates uh, her work is through talking and having informal and formal discussions with people. And she said, quote, one of the most powerful experiences I had was talking to middle school children and asking them the difference between belonging and fitting in. They said, fitting in is when you want to be a part of something and belonging is when, you, is when people want you to be a part of it just as you are. So I get to be me if I belong and I have to be more like you in order to fit in. Mm. I think that is most pronounced, obviously, in my daughter's age group, right? Everyone's yeah. wearing certain clothes, certain shoes. Um, but it for sure continues to happen. How do I fit into a certain culture at work? How do I fit into um, the crowd that's known each other for 10 years and I'm new, as you were mentioning? So full disclosure, mm-hmm. you heard the story in my intro. Yes. Well, that's me. Oh. And at one of my first jobs, and it really was a battle thinking... I wanted to, mm. I wanted to fit in. Mm. But then I thought about all the hoops I would have to go, to, go through. Like, mm. I don't drink beer. Mm-hmm. They drank a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't play sort of the types of sports that they played and didn't really want to invest time in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have, but I think, you know, I would have, well, I'm not really sure what the, the long-term effects were. What are there? Do you see sort of... Um, what are the potential effects of trying to fit in? What does that have on people? It's mm, a great question. I think that, so first of all, to, to say that I think we all have a tendency to put our, you know, best foot forward, shall I say. This is really natural because, of course, we want people to like us. We want people to accept us. Um, but issues can start to arise, for sure. Uh, if we keep putting on masks or this, you know, altogether different persona for some of us, right? Uh, in various social situations that, you know, basically it's it's compromising um, our own authenticity. I'm going to give an example here before I keep going because I can relate to this. So, um, you know, juggling work and being a full-time mom and wanting to look competent in both those areas, like one, and not just like, you know, you want to be good at those things, but you also like people to look at you and go like, wow, how does she do that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's very difficult to wear different masks, have different hats, uh, you know, change our colors like a chameleon to fit in, in order to give someone what they expect out of situation. So recently, um, I am part of a parent group, and I also uh, was working late. I have, you know, two different jobs, and sometimes I'm squealing in to get my kids on two tires, you know, just as the bell's ringing. And I guess I had promised to actually put together some cookies for this bake sale. And I, there I am squealing in. And um, doesn't one of the other mothers come over to me and say, oh, you know, do you have your cookies? Are, are they done? And I had this moment of, I totally forgot. And what does she think of me? And so I put on the smile and I said, you know, oh, oh yeah, you know, I'll have to get them. I'll have to get them. And uh, she said to me, um, you know, wow, it, it must be nice to be able to have an older child now who can like take care of your younger child so that you don't really have to be parenting all that often. And it was this moment where I felt intense shame, like I was vulnerable. Like an indictment. Yes. It's like you want to like roll the window up into her face, right? Over her face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Say like, Um, but anyway, noticing that 
Um, I sacrifice it when I try and do too much when I try and fit in to the point where I know I don't have the capacity right now to fit in with I'm not totally honest I compartmentalize my life I hide parts of myself from people I edit my own story I sacrifice I sacrifice my own authenticity um, and there's a great quote by Brene Brown again she says trading in authenticity for approval is when we stop believing in our own worth worthiness and we start hustling for it. To use the example that uh, that I gave at the beginning, my own example, I guess that um, kind of hustling for it would have been me trying to be overly bombastic, not true to myself, um, telling maybe jokes that I wouldn't normally mm-hmm. tell, yes, yes. playing sports I wouldn't normally play, totally, yes. and not realizing that I have a lot of value to bring that's more true to myself. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so how do you, how does one cultivate authenticity? Yeah, man, this is, this is super hard because it means, A, being able to do some self-reflection as to who you are uh, apart from who others want us to be, um, which is why I think it's a decision to live every day, um, being self-reflective, uh, being courageous, and I love the what courageous means, right? Being able to speak from your heart, from your kind of core true, true self. And being courageous enough to be emotionally honest, mm-hmm. right, with myself. So for you to be able to say, yeah, I'm not going to be able to play all the frisbee because it's, like, it's not my thing. But I can also um, offer other things. I can, uh, I can also set boundaries with myself and other people when I get emotionally honest. So instead of me saying yes to 110 things on the PTA as well as at work, if I'm being authentic, I'm able to say, uh, I can be vulnerable enough to say, I'm actually overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. right? I need to stop. It's also exercising compassion um, for for ourselves, for myself, in my daily struggles, as well as in my daily strengths, and noticing the fact that when I struggle, and just like you struggle, that's what connects us. And that's where um, there's an authentic uh, connection, a true connection, where we, we go deeper than what my hair looks like or what brand name label you're wearing, right? Right. So actually, that's so interesting because now in the fields that we both work in, Mm -hmm. we've got clients who are coming to us with their struggles. So there's a natural point of connection. Yes. Um, In a workplace, it might not be the first place that an employee would go, right, to another colleague to say, I'm really struggling with this. Is that something you would encourage people to do? Yeah. Well, the the first... point in authenticity, I think, is to get emotionally honest with yourself, to be able to say, I have limitations, right? I, I, can't, I can't keep doing this, uh, and giving yourself permission to, to be emotionally honest um, so that we can let go of what we're supposed to be in order to embrace kind of who we actually are. Because sometimes, too, the danger, especially in the work environment, is if I keep going down this one road, I'm going to end up doing something that maybe that's not where I'm supposed to be or where my giftings lie. Mm-hmm. But when I can be more emotionally honest. And yes, yeah, sometimes that means um, if you have a safe person in your workplace, right? Someone who can yeah. bounce ideas off of. Um, a manager who respectfully you can say, this, uh, this portion feels like a, you know, the skill, I have these skills, and why don't we add this person to this because they can bring another. That is being vulnerable, right? But as well as being inclusive and mm-hmm. building team, building collaborative community. And it's showing self-awareness, which is, mm. which is great. So I love mm. that point about making sure the first thing you do is, is that point of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Right? I read on a Starbucks cup 
several years Ooh, ago nice. that fame and money are the worst mm. um, it's like the worst gift mm. when it's in an area that you don't love mm. because it feeds yes, yes. into you doing something yeah. and I guess that could be at work too if you yeah. excel at something because you think and you're getting accolades and you mm. think that's the thing that mm. people want you to do but really doesn't fit mm-hmm. it can't be that fulfilling mm-hmm. so that's yeah. really fascinating and it goes along with this idea of like what are so if I choose to be vulnerable right um, that it takes a lot of courage to show up and be authentic, I think. Um, like a lot of courage for someone, for instance, say you get, I know a colleague of mine who got math scholarships all the way through to his PhD, he, and therefore it, his education was paid for him, right? But at the end he realized, I don't think I really wanna do you know, teaching math at a university level, right? But because he wasn't able to, to slow the bus down or the roll down, and to take the risk to be authentic with himself, um, you know, I, I think the risk in being authentic is that we risk being criticized or at worst being rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, that he ended up in a place that I don't know today, it's, it changed the course of his life, right? It, and I have a, actually a client who was telling me a story. Of, they were in a workplace where they were really excelling and everyone mm. was saying, this is where you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Clearly, mm. this is where your gifting is. You know, you must have been called to do this. Mm. And she did not feel a sense of satisfaction Mm. and eventually left. Mm. And as soon as she left, Mm. she felt this sort of freedom Mm. and opportunities Mm. were there, you know, a real surge of creativity as well. And and it's it's such a lovely thing to see someone get to that place. And how much courage does it take, you know, because the risk is that you can go get to that place or you also open yourself up to being hurt or being a failure, right? right? And I think in our culture, those are horrible almost seen as like toxic places to to land right Mm -hmm. this idea of you know when I when I am risk that I could I can't tolerate the anxiety or fear or blame or whatever comes up if I were to fail yeah I love your point as well when you we were just talking about trusted someone trusted in the workplace that you go to and I think having that sounding board is really important Mm -hmm. particularly if you're at this place where you think there might be an ill-fitted partnering of what you're Mm -hmm. doing to your skill set Mm -hmm. or what feels authentic and you know what's so funny actually Claire is that often the people that we find safe or the people who we might trust in a workplace are the people who are the most uh, authentic (laughs) they're the people who they're not the perfect the perfect um, PR person who looks perfect, presents perfectly, very articulate. It's often the person that you know has been able to come up and say, hey, you know, um, can we do this differently? Or this was hard for me because you know that person understands what it is to be self-reflective and um, that makes them safer, actually. So we've been talking a little bit about um, the potential consequences, the good consequences of dancing to your own drumbeat, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually, I'm wondering if, what if dancing to your own drumbeat Mm -hmm. uh, puts you at odds with the culture that you work Mm, in? Great question. Yeah, I mean, when we have that, I call it attention, when we we hold, you know, here's the culture of my workplace, and if I'm honest with myself, um, that there's a tension between who I am, maybe even what I believe in, how ethically I practice whatever I'm doing. and I think at that point, you need to really 
ask yourself, is this, is this the right fit for me? You spend so much time at work. So much of your life yeah. is at work. Um, the commitment that you make to work. Um, I often, t- so I'm on the other side, I see clients who are really struggling to the point where they want to see a therapist. And I've heard many clients actually say to me, I'll say at least three have said to me, you know what I figured out, Allison? My work won't love me back. Hmm. It doesn't matter how much I pour myself into it. I, I won't get what I need back. And so um, all three have had to make uh, decisions around how to take care of themselves, either when they remain in that workplace, how they do that differently in order to take care of themselves, um, or walking away and choosing to do something that there's not that same tension. Yeah. I was, uh, I was talking to, similarly, I was talking to a woman the other day who's been very unhappy mm-hmm. in her workplace. And uh, we got into a discussion of, are you happy outside of your workplace? Yeah. Kind of, and that's not my area of expertise, right. but it felt like the questioning led into that Perfect. discussion. Yeah. And, um, and she basically revealed that no, mm-hmm. and not for you know, any major reasons, she had just given up a lot of the things that she felt were authentically her mm-hmm. in her life outside of work because her work was taking over uh, yes, so much of yes. her life. It becomes a relationship, right? But yet it doesn't, it's, there's no skin, bone, breathing heart, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's this thing that can't give back to you. Yeah. And so the, the goals that she's setting right now are around bringing a little bit of that joy yeah. and authenticity back into her life outside of work. Mm. Um, and we'll see over mm. time if it feeds into a difference in the way she's approaching her work. So wonderful. What a great connection, Claire, making with your client to notice that <laughs> yeah. sometimes, right, it's not all about the work. It's also looking at uh, other places in my life where it might be toxic or I might be struggling and how it bleeds into our satisfaction at work, our relationships at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a, a question. I, I, I know a woman who, um, who in her workplace, she seemed absolutely determined to illustrate at every turn how she was different mm. from everyone else, how mm. she did not belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seemed to disagree with most of the group's decisions. Uh, she seemed to look for the differences between herself mm-hmm. and others, mm-hmm. and rather than the similarities. So mm. rather than making right. those connection points, right. she, she often talked about not belonging, and yet she never chose to leave mm. and, um, and resisted others' attempts at including her mm. so what do you do when you're uh, when you're that coworker or you're a leader when this when yes. this happens in a team yes yeah isn't that interesting so I think and in my practice I can see that um, all behavior makes sense right it might not make sense to us just meeting someone within the first week but when we look at someone as a whole that being different quote unquote has a function right it, it keeps me out of being vulnerable it keeps me out of um, you know, fully being accountable for what's going on, the sting of failure that might come up if I actually join in, um, or the fear of intimacy, uh, even in the workplace, right? Even just sharing ideas would feel too uh, intolerable for some people. And so um, it's almost like armor. I think some people start to wear uh, certain things that keep us disconnected. Uh, There's lots of ways of protecting ourselves. 
uh, to avoid feeling that failure, anxiety, uncertainty, fear, shame, all those things. So in particular, I, I can think of a few off the top. The first thing is similar to what, um, first method is similar to what this colleague, I would say when people strive for perfection mm -hmm. or when they strive for distance, right, which is essentially what this woman was doing of distancing, um, this is a way to kind of wear armor. Um, some people strive to numb out, right? I'm going to just uh, use other methods of not feeling. Um, and then I've seen many people who disrupt the joyful moments and they almost, um, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. So instead of pouring all of myself into it, I'm going to hold pieces back because really I know it's going to be a disaster. So I'm right. not going to, I don't want to be accountable. With a wet that. blanket? The wet blanket. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know that on every team. Yes. Yeah, so thinking about these types of armor as making us feel safe. She's, I'm going to put it out there, she's probably learned to protect herself in this way from somewhere. It makes sense somewhere. Not that we have to know where, but it helps her feel more in control in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. That she can be different and she can see herself as different. Um, and we don't always know that we're doing more harm than good. So when it comes to how do we, how do we, um, kind of collaborate with someone who's very difficult to collaborate with. Yeah. I think first of all, just recognizing that we all come into our workplace with our own stuff, like our own ways to protect ourselves, right? And our own, and these strategies have worked for us to help us survive somewhere. Most likely this person, it wasn't helping her so much in the workplace, I'm noticing as um, you notice, but just by um, noticing people come in with their own stuff, that uh, people have learned that from somewhere, it helps us with burnout. It helps us to, because it gives us compassion for our colleagues, right? Okay. Being able to have, um, and when I have compassion for a colleague, when I have compassion with a client, I'm then more able to sit with her and be tolerant, be patient, uh, try and find a way in. Try so it might chat. not be easy it as a colleague. It might not be easy, that's right, okay. that's right. But knowing that, that that personally coming from a place of curiosity yeah. rather than uh, resentment can change the whole way that you feel about the team. Right? So is that when you say you were talking about armors and almost looking for those little spaces where you can find that connection? Yes, that's right. That how to because connection Space is. In the armor. We were talking earlier off air about this idea that connection is as essential to us as primary to us as eating and sleeping yeah. in fact we are wired for connection there's all these really interesting um, uh, research you know studies done in the states around specifically in medical settings where when someone going in was going in for some sort of a test and they had their loved one there and they were holding their hand their um, report of pain, their report of fear, their report of anxiety is half of that of those who went in alone to yeah. do these things. So noticing that just by finding those small clinks in their armor, that in fact that can, it might feel a small victory for you, but in fact it could be what allows someone to trust, allows someone to come out. It could be pretty huge. Yeah. So what I like, so in terms of tips for people, it sounds like you know, taking a deep breath, finding an opportunity to maybe mm -hmm. sit with this person, mm -hmm. show an interest in them. Curious, so, yes. Curiosity, asking yeah. them questions and looking for those points of, you know, maybe they like the Beatles mm -hmm. and you like the Beatles yes. and there's a point of connection. Yes. Um, and I'm sort of under hearing, maybe reading between the lines that that can be very meaningful for these people. Yeah. 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 That sometimes we can't 
we can't underestimate you know sometimes uh, people connect with us and I know I've had moments that have been really aha kind of moments I think Oprah says that kind of word but um, and the person who I was with even though it was a meaningful life event for me they wouldn't have known that right Right. in the workplace Hmm. Mm -hmm. okay Um, there's one more question I had in terms of leadership Mm -hmm. and uh, leaders in what ways can they and what role do they play really in cultivating a sense of belonging for people in the workplace without encouraging something like the herd yeah. mentality or yes. the frat, sort of the frat environment? Yeah, yeah. That, the idea of inclusivity rather than the exclusive, mm-hmm. you know, different groups that you can be part of. Well, I think that um, recognizing and encouraging the central role of relationships so uh, encouraging this collaborative environment um, and uh, modeling, the other piece is modeling and nurturing uh, an environment where a team is able to lean into discomfort a little bit, right? Lean yeah. into um, being vulnerable or taking risks, right? Uh, you know, on somewhat of a personal level, but also as, a, as professionals. So, you know, you're not cultivating that, that culture of fear, that culture of, um, of fe- especially fear of failure. I know that I had one client at work and, uh, sorry, that I had who was working, and she came to me because of, uh, she was in an environment where there was a winner's list and there was a loser's list. And for many months when she first started working there, she was on the winner's list. She was on the hmm. winner's list. Um, But then, over the last six months, her mother got quite sick, and she wasn't keeping up with what the standard was, and her name started going on the loser's list. It was really interesting to see how that divisive um, culture of, you know, failure, uh, the fear of failure, uh, started to erode her sense of belonging in the workplace, started to erode her sense of um, connection with her peers, Mm -hmm. and really her mental health started to also be impacted. So this, this is, uh, it's very real, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting too, you know, from a perspective of someone who works um, in some sort of HR type programming, mm-hmm. um, I get involved in that. I see sometimes that organizations jump on a really good idea or a set of competencies or a style that they like mm. and they create programs and I call them sort of cloning programs where they, you know, try to put everyone, th- we're going to put everyone through this program and it's at the end, we've got this machine and it spits mm-hmm, out mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. ideal yes. model of, modeled after somebody who was successful, yes. let's say. Um, and that, that, you know, people really resist that and mm. start to resent the program mm-hmm. or check out of the program. Yeah. Or, um, and I, I could see that as a real danger in the workplace. Yeah, and it also really erodes uh, creativity, right? Yeah. And creativity is where we bring ourselves, we bring more of ourselves into that. We are more vulnerable, we are more open, we are more authentic when we have a more creative environment. Mm-hmm. So I can see that those clothing kind of programs really don't allow someone to bring them their whole self in right yeah you have to fit into this um smaller compartment and it, i like the idea of um you know along this theme of belonging and authenticity mm-hmm. if these programs could really uh, be sort of customized enough so within mm-hmm. a structure but customized enough that they understand the individual has their own strengths has their own style um and and promotes that, promotes people growing within mm. those areas. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Allison, it's been so great to chat with you today. And uh, maybe to close, I'm wondering from the perspective of 
an organization, a company, what's in it for them to promote authenticity Mm. in the workplace? Yeah, great question. So I think that when you promote creativity, you promote collaboration, promoting um, authenticity uh, for people to feel like they own more of their work, feel like they put more of themselves into their work, you will get more from each individual. You will notice people actually making connections, collaborating in their work, but also um, making friendships. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things this year, as they were looking at people's satisfaction with their job, one of the number one reasons why people were satisfied was because they had a close or a best friend at work. Um, and so call, and that makes for people wanting to be there, people wanting to give themselves, people um, enjoying their work. And therefore, uh, that rolls out and often reflects in a more successful and harmonious workplace. I totally agree with you that connection cannot be underestimated mm-hmm. as a as a, a really valuable asset yeah. for a workplace. Yes. If you can help connect people, they will feel more connected to the organization. Yeah. That was Allison Buchan, mental health and addictions counselor. So work doesn't need to feel like high school all over again. There doesn't need to be an in-crowd and an out-crowd any longer. To the outcast in the office, don't pretend you're something you're not in order to fit in. Assess your values and seek out ways to express them through your work. To the so-called cool kid who doesn't want to let anyone new compromise the good thing you've got going, remember, things never stay as they are anyway. You and your organization will be better off if you look for ways to connect with a broader range of colleagues. And to the leader out there who wants to encourage connection and authenticity in your team, start with yourself. And to all of you, we can all look for ways to match the inner experience with the outer expression. Thanks for joining us. I'm Claire Carver-Dias, and this is The Water Cooler Effect.